My Eagle enthusiasts, it's Fairway Rolling, presented by FanDuel. Major season is here, and you can get in on all the long drives, big putts, and major moments with FanDuel. Check out live PGA Tour bets like longest drive, round leaders, matchups, birdie or better, and more. Plus, track every shot in the app and watch select par three holes while you place your bets. Download the app today and bet with FanDuel, the official betting operator of the PGA Tour. Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. You must be 21 years old or older and present in select states. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts from superchargers and brakes to exhaust kits and beyond, eBay Motors levels your baby up to its peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Today's major preview edition of Fairway Rolling presented as always by Callaway Golf. Makers of the Chrome Soft TrueViz golf balls currently available right now in time. For Father's Day, my birdie buddies, in two beautiful new patterns. One is an updated version of the Stars and Stripes that were out and about last year, coincident with the Ryder Cup. Callaway has updated those beauties, and they're going to be great for the U.S. Open and great right through the 4th of July. In fact, every Callaway staffer on the range this week at Pebble Beach will be hitting these very cool Stars and Stripes balls, so keep an eye out for that. The other is a super limited edition, uh, incredible run of Truva's suits, which refers to card suits. So if you buy a dozen of these, you are going to get a sleeve of aces, a sleeve of diamonds, a sleeve of clubs, and a sleeve of spades, all available right now at CallawayGolf.com. If you have a loved one that enjoys playing a couple cards, this could be a pretty nice Father's Day present for them. These are Chrome Soft Golf Balls, which means tour-proven distance and performance with unparalleled feel. Again, available right now at CallawayGolf.com. Today's episode also brought to you by Destination Kohler in Kohler, Wisconsin, home of Whistling Straits and Black Wolf Run. Destination Kohler was ranked by Golf Digest to have Four of the top 100 public courses in the United States. It's also going to host the 2020 Ryder Cup. That one is at Whistling Straits. Imagine, my birdie buddies, summer on Lake Michigan in the land of beer and cheese. You got rounds of championship golf and delicious ice-cold beverages plus deep-fried Wisconsin cheese curds. It is time to get rolling to DestinationKohler.com to book your package today. That's DestinationKohler.com. 
Hello, friends, and welcome to this golf podcast unlike any other. This, my friends, is a major golf podcast. We've made it. Here we are. It is Fairway Rolling, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. I am your starter, Joe House. Fairway Rolling, presented by our pals at Callaway Golf. What a show today. We are setting the stage for the 119th edition of the U.S. Open at Pebble Beach. This is primetime television on the East Coast. It is Father's Day on Sunday. It doesn't get any more major than this, my par-saving pals. Joel Beal is on from Golf Digest to help set the stage, identify the storylines, create a little bit of intrigue around all the drama that we're chasing this week. Of course, Megan Schuster, Schuster is on. We're talking about the scripting. We're looking for something creative out of the guys this week. And then Chris Vernon, we've got some picks to talk about. We've got a little capital to allocate and a surprise guest during that segment. It gets a little bit hairy in there, and I'm just going to leave it at that. The first tee is open, my Eagle enthusiasts. Let's let out a little shaft and get into it with Joel Beal. Ladies and gentlemen, now on the tee from Cincinnati, Ohio, qualifying for this United States Open at Aston Oaks Golf Course. And straight out of Golf Digest, Joel Beal, welcome. What's going on, brother? It's another major week. You have been helping us give out some major observations, major opinions, and major good advice. How about this? You just shared with me this nugget. We gave out some props when when you and I were convened for the PGA Championship uh, barely a month ago at Beth Page Black. You had some some glorious uh, uh, suggestions on ways folks could allocate their capital. I think you gave out the winner will have a Nike hat. You gave out uh, something about one of the local pros making a cut or something like that. Remind me of of the props that we gave out. Yeah, those first two. And then I believe we also just mentioned we had faith in Brooks Kepka, which not exactly going on a limb. Between those three, uh, a man named James, who interestingly enough, after he messaged me, deleted his Twitter account. I don't know if he didn't want this info out there. Uh, Mr. IRS to catch, but uh, he parlayed those three items into just under ten thousand dollars of winning. So makes me feel good, House, that we're helping the people out. Just under ten thousand dollars—that is winning capital, right there, Joel Beal. Well done. Now we're not going to be able at this stage of the game. This is the Monday of U.S. Open week, and so far we haven't seen any of the books. You and I uh, have been looking publish uh, the props that they're offering up in any kind of uh, comprehensive way. Every major, you publish your own favorite props. That's typically, I believe, the Wednesday before the Thursday tee-off. Is that right? Correct. Yeah, we usually push that Wednesday morning, give give everyone enough time to get their wagers in. But yeah, it's very odd. Usually these things kind of trickle out early Monday morning, but so far everyone in the media center is kind of scratching their head and wondering what's going on. So it's they don't know how to probably. Uh, they don't know how to do Brooks and this Nike hat thing. It's been such such a run. They don't know what to do with it. We'll just chalk it up to that. I, I, I guess that's right. I don't. I can't even uh, uh, 
come up with with any other props um, off the top of my head. I mean, uh, will, will anybody use a one iron? That, that's not really a prop. You <laughs> have, the odds would have to be too crazy for that one. So I think the only person who still uses the one iron is the AP Doug Ferguson. Most of these guys don't even carry a two iron anymore. So uh, right. yeah, I'm pretty sure that prop. If, if we see anything like that, go ahead and bet against that. Bet against that one. That would be the advice. So uh, you are physically at Pebble Beach right now, correct? And despite Delta Airlines' best intentions to keep me out, I, I am here. We had uh, six different flight cancellations yesterday uh, and a couple of reroutings, but we, we are here, baby. We are here in beautiful Pebble Beach. And uh, you, you said it's beautiful. I looked at the weather. I was interested in the forecast. Is it 80, like 88, 90 degrees out there today? It is mid-80s, which is weird. Last night, it was supposed to be as like high as 72, so big misjudgment. It's funny, a lot of the players actually went back and changed the shorts, uh, not not expecting this weather as well. But yeah, it, it's unusually warm here, although it looks like it's supposed to cool down later in the week, especially the weekend. So uh, I think I think today is an aberration. Yeah, let, so let's set the, this stage for the 119th edition of the United States Open at Pebble Beach. Let's set the stage with the stage the stage is pebble beach and you know that this is a a championship venue uh where the the winners of majors at this venue are your all-time hall of famers they are your tom watsons and your jack nicholas's and your tiger woods graham mcdowell um maybe a slight aberration uh but you know Dustin Johnson, a certified, uh, guaranteed first ballot golf hall of famer, you know, had to, had to like serve it up with an 82, a Sunday 82, um, for, for McDowell to slide in and grab the 2010 event. Um, the, uh, venue has been something of an issue and I'm talking sort of generically about the idea of us open venues for the United States Golf Association. And the players have grown more and more uh, uh, comfortable with criticizing the USGA about the venue setup. Do you What do you anticipate this week in terms of the venue setup and how players are going to find it and how the, the venue is going to play? Um, one, one thing worth noting, I will let you, uh, answer that question in a second. I do want to note the last handful of, of venues, the setup, well, the mastermind was Mike Davis of the USGA this year. He is out of the setup business. John Bonehamer is in. And so I wonder if that's going to make a difference. What are your thoughts on, on the venue? You know, it's obviously it's one the players see every year at the, AT&T Pro-Am in February. There is this sense, not only from the players, but uh, various tour officials, uh, USGA officials, they really are going to err on the side of caution. They they are not... I, I know there's a stigma that the USGA sits in this ivory tower and doesn't really know what's really going on with the game of golf. They are very heightened to the, their reputation, especially with the, the reputation, the hits they've taken to it the past couple of years. Uh, they know they also have a venue that guys, it's one thing to mess up Shinnecock that you only see once a decade uh, or Chambers Bay that was thinking they do. If you mess up a course where guys have seen how it plays usually, if you can mess that up, they're, they're in a host of trouble. Um, that being said, 
talking to the guys this morning. They so far they like the conditioning. The greens are actually rolling relatively slow. It seems like they're going to roll about twelve and a half, um, which is on the lower side for uh, a U.S. Open venue. Um, that being said, we were told the same exact thing last year at Shinnecock, and to be honest, for the first five days, the first two days at least in the competition, the players were happy with it. It was just that Saturday when they went really nuts with the pins and going the greens on it. Things went wild, so. Everyone's kind of hoping for the best here, but you really have to hold your breath till Sunday night to really see if, if it's going to transpire like the way they say it is. Um, but given it is such a traditional venue and guys have accustomed to playing it, I don't think we're going to see the fireworks that we've seen the past couple of years, out, at least when it comes to talking about what type of tricked up uh, setups the players will be facing. Yeah, I, I share your view on this. Um, one, one thing, uh, that I've, I've, you know, run across in, in trying to formulate some, some thoughts on guys that, that have the potential to win. It's such a radically different golf course in June than how it plays in February, simply because of the difference in seasons, uh, kind of obviously it is cool and wet typically in, uh, Northern California, when they compete the the AT and T Pro Am, the old clam bake, uh, and then by by now by June you have a few things going on. In the first place, it's bone dry, no rain whatsoever. There's no rain. You know, there's a ten percent chance of rain in the forecast this coming week. The days are super long. They're like fifteen and a half hours. Like sunset, a sunrise is like quarter to six in the morning, five fifty in the morning. And it stays sun out all the way till eight thirty at night, nearly. Um, and so the the and the the, the sun is, is is out and the breeze is steady. Now the forecast for this week has the breeze at around ten miles an hour. It's maxed out at like eleven miles an hour, and that's not big, challenging wind. Like the 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 variable at this venue that um you know can produce conditions that make it impossible for the guys is 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 the weather and right now the way the forecast looks it doesn't look like the winds are going to get whipping but i'm interested in your thoughts like because of of what you're observing right now the green speed condition is especially you know over the course of these super long days where guys are teeing off first thing in the morning and they're playing all right on into the evening um, what if, what impact do you expect on the greens, the POA, over the course of the day? Because the greens are going to change, right? Uh, a little bit. I do also want to add one thing when you're kind of contrasting the two sets between here in February. The other big thing is that, you know, for that Pro-Am, it's right there in the title. They have to facilitate a course that can handle amateurs and even worse, your Ray Romanos and Andy Garcias. Uh, so the course is really set up easy in February to what you see now where I mean, Kyle, I got to tell you, this is some of the worst rough in terms of thickness that I've seen at a major championship venue. Um, it, it's really going to give these guys some trouble if they find a, a – I didn't see a single guy really advance their ball to the green if they found the roll in the rough. But during the practice round today, all, almost all of them were forced to pitch out just to the fairway. Um, but go, going back to your green standpoint, uh, I mentioned earlier that they have that 12 and a half. And the reason is they understand that if they really – Take them out early in the week, they're going to be totally gone by Saturday and Sunday. Uh, so they are making a concerted effort to water the greens and make sure they play fair. Uh, you saw us a little bit actually at the 2015 Open, Open Championship at St. Andrews. Uh, because they weren't expecting that much to win, 
they tried to cut the greens a little bit lower than expected. Then wind kind of came and messed everything up. They had that delay in the in the third round. So even though there's not a lot of wind expected, they're actually going to keep the greens still relatively high compared to other U.S. Opens here at Pebble Beach, just because they don't want a situation where balls are sliding off the greens, their approaches aren't holding. So uh, you're not the first person to, to make that. A point that they can kind of change throughout the day, but I think they're going to you're going to see a, a really concerted effort to make sure they kind of stay stable throughout the round. I'm interested. I want to follow up on your excellent uh, observation about the status of the rough. Um, there is a video Patrick Cantlay, uh, you know, did the thing every year where some well, some player does this. He, he goes to the venue a few days early and drops a golf ball into the rough, and the ball disappears, and then and then the guys try and and hack it out. The thing that caught caught my eye with the video that Cantlay shot was he walked off the number of paces from where he anticipates one of the pin positions to be uh, on the ninth hole. I think it was a back right pin that he had kind of uh, mimicked, and he he took what looked to be like maybe eight paces off the green and was in a level of rough that th- this was not just you know cut this is just gnarly insane coastal grasses you know i he 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 dropped like three or four balls and the first ball you couldn't see it at all he swung as hard as he could it chopped out and skittered completely across the green the second one he could see a little bit of and and he hit it out but is that condition that you know just a few paces all, uh, around the the various green complexes the players can find themselves in in that kind of rough. Is that pr- the the prevailing uh, 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 setup there? It is, and you know, you mentioned that every year we see this video in some form or fashion. What's different about Canley's video is that every course has deep rough at some point of the course. This is legitimately ubiquitous. It's very consistent. It's no matter where you're at on the course, you could be twenty. 30 yards off the off the tee box to just three or four yards off a of green. It's all this long and this brutal. Uh, now, I will say, unlike other courses, I feel like Aaron Hills, I felt like they just made the rough high just because they could, and they kind of lost control of it, which is why they had to throw it down during the week. This is one of the Pebbles' defenses. It's a really short course by professional standards. It's about 400 yards shorter than what we saw at Shinnecock. A lot of guys can get away, and, and at least in the practice rounds, have was hitting three, four iron keys, maybe three wood on some of the longer holes and be okay. So to really kind of give Pebble, is, you have to kind of grow the rough and, and make it a severe penalty if you do mess the fairway. Uh, and the greens are probably some of the, the, the in terms of dimension size, some of the, the smaller greens you'll see in professional golf. So, uh, you know, we usually see say that, you know, the guy who has the best approach game wins that week. Underline that and bold it because if you miss these greens, man, it, you're going to be lucky to save far. It, it's it's actually one of the reasons why I think it helped Tiger Woods this week. It's, he's one of the few guys that can really handle brutal rough around the greens. He has a really great up and down game, but uh, man, if you miss these small pins, you're in you're in trouble. So it's uh, I I think you're going to see, I think you're going to see these guys really try to just whatever at all play. You're not going to see many drivers this week. Whatever they can do to keep in the fairway, they're going to do it. Yeah, the three attributes that um, you know the the everybody in in the anal- analysis world uh, emphasizes uh, thematically are 
uh, accuracy off the tee, and really, you you can you know you, at the expense of distance. Nobody cares about distance uh, at at this venue. Um, accuracy from the fairway to the green, and then making sure that your ball is below the hole. Those are the three like defining thematic attributes that the guys who are going to have the most success. Um, you know, you see it sort of in, in every version of the, of the analysis. And then there's a bunch of subcategories and deep analytics, but although those three attributes, uh, seem to be the, the, the most, um, required you, I'm glad you mentioned tiger and his ability to get up and down. I watched, uh, I'm not sure where, whether it was your site or, or golf.com. I think it was your site. There was a Tom kite um video where he kind of recounted his his final round at Pebble uh in 1992 when he won in the face of like 30 mile an hour plus winds the winds were were way beyond even blustering i mean it was just roaring winds at Pebble Beach and i was struck by how often he was off the 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 uh he was a, in the green complexes in places that were like misses and and some of them were big time misses like his miss on 17 he looked like he was 30 yards uh to the left of the green in one of those bunkers of course he hit it to uh you know 6 feet and 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 then made the putt and you know the same thing was true on 7 he yanked a 6 iron on number 7 and then chipped it in um, and I was watching this thinking, who has this kind of scrambling ability on a Sunday when the, when the championship is on the line? And that's a very, very short list, Joel Beal. Um, I, 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 I think Tiger is the only one that I really trust uh, the most. But you had a story that you ran, that, that's r- running right now on golfdigest.com. Phil Mickelson, and the story is the numbers don't lie. Pebble Beach is Phil Mickelson's last shot. So when I think of scrambling and short game prowess, and you know the ability to um, save glory from from the depths of despair, Phil Mickelson is at the top of that list. What do you think about Phil having done this story? His chances uh, at this week's uh, event. When I initially pitched the story, I had the distress of what the heck did I just do? Because this, if anything, how do I defend a guy who's gone over twenty-seven at this tournament? What could he? What could I possibly find that will show that he's got hope for this week? But when you look at how he's played at Pebble, and not only during the pro am, which we which we said is a different setup, but how he's played at uh, other U.S. Opens at Pebble Beach. His game actually fits us to a team. What really like helps him here is that there's this weird variance of where he usually hits his approach shots from are areas on other tour venues that really don't suit his game. His his strong suit though from from a distance wise, it's his optimal range at pebble. Now that's taking into account him hitting basically two on or three wood off every tee. A couple weeks ago, he said that's what he was going to do. And then out of nowhere last week, he said he's going to carry two drivers in his bag. So who the hell knows what Phil's actually going to do. But if you look at a profile of a guy who should play well here, at least uh, what you mentioned, Tom Kite, uh, Tiger at 2000 is almost an aberration because he flew the field out by 15 strokes. And it's really hard to get a gauge of how it actually plays. But if you also look at what Graham McDowell did, 
it's kind of guys who just don't make mistakes off the tee. That's something we don't really associate Phil Mickelson with. But at this tournament, he's actually been able to keep it relatively near the fairway, not on the fairway. His actually fairway percentages aren't that great, but he's at least able to keep it in the ballpark. Now, there aren't obviously a lot of trees here, so if you can just keep it out of the water, you have a shot. Um, and believe it or not, if you're looking for a dark horse, this actually might be the chance where Phil Nicholson pulls through. It, it, I, I have never been a guy who thought this would happen, at least with Phil in this tournament, but man, it, it really seems like the stars are aligned for Nicholson to finally get that damn monkey off his back here at the U.S. Open. Yeah, so, some of the stats that caught my attention, uh, he is good from the rough. So while he, he he's sort of in line with... Um, the sort of average uh, accuracy at at this venue because his accuracy from the tee uh, driving the ball is is horrendous. But at Pebble, he's kind of in line with the basic accuracy numbers. But we know that at a U.S. Open off the tee, if, if you're in the rough, you have to be able to advance the ball. You know, get get close to the green. And we're not talking about the deep cabbage stuff. Um, cause that, that's just, you, you, you made the right observation. Guys are just going to have to chip out from that. There's no advancing the ball from the crazy cabbage stuff, but he had some good numbers, uh, of, of accuracy, uh, you know, on, on approach from the rough. And you just mentioned that there's two different yardages that he, um, that really seemed to fit his, his play at pebble. Uh, one of them was like 125 to 150. Is that right? And what was and the other because one? I think we, there are ones, uh, what actually the next, next highest up 150 to 175, which is interesting, yeah. but we do, we do associate Phil as this, you know, wedge savant. He certainly is around the green zone. Ooh, uh, full swing wedge shots. He actually struggles a little bit. Uh, if anything, uh, like you know, I had a couple of teachers try to explain this to me. Basically he just has a little bit too much movement uh, from that distance with his wedge game, which is kind of why he struggles with proximity, uh, inside a hundred and 125 yards. But, when he kind of has a, has a full swing pitching wedge or nine iron or eight iron, and there's only probably about seven or eight guys on tour who are better from that range. So it's, it's odd because, again, we think of the U.S. Open of being the tournament that you need to hit it straight, and Phil Mickelson is far from a guy who is able to you know, pipe it down the fairway every time. But, uh, man, it, it, as, he's, as he's shown a couple before with five wins here and a number of runner-ups, this course does speak to him, and uh, the fact that, at least from a distance standpoint, it's going to play the exact same way. I think you kind of have to give Phil. You have to put him in that eight or nine, like the, that group of eight or nine guys who should be able to contend this week. Yeah, so I, uh, that's funny. Uh, eight, eight or nine guys. I think that's like the entire list of potential uh, winners for, for this event. I think because of how competitive, um, you know, th- this year. Guys are for the most. The top guys in the game are mostly healthy. The only guy that uh, is is you know doesn't fit that category is Justin Thomas with this wrist injury. Um, so I'm fading him a little bit. But I I just the cream of the, the 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 guys at the top, the cream of the crop are just so good. I don't think this venue under these circumstances, in the face of how good the group um, is. You're going to have a a a you know out of left field kind of winner, which means you know got go ahead. No, it's funny you say that because someone asked me that the other day. It always feels like this tournament provide you know produces a guy from out of nowhere, and really 
while that's maybe historically been true, the past eight years, it's actually been the top guy. We've had Rory, Justin Rose, Martin Keimer, Brooks Kepka twice, Jordan Spieth, Dustin Johnson. Everyone who's winning this is the guy who's been in the top 10 or has turned into a top 10 guy. So I'm with you. The way the USJ has kind of transformed their setup, say what you want about, but it does seem to reward the cream of the crop. So if, if you're looking for these guys in the in the 50s and 60s, I think that's more of an open championship bet rather than a U.S. Open, especially the way this course is going to set up this week. Yeah, I'm not betting. Um, there are a couple guys that I like in the 25 to 1 class, and that's Jason Day and Frankie Molinari. Both Jason Day has an impeccable track record at Pebble, and I think Molinari, you know, the, his his ball striking over the last eighteen months has been as good as anybody in the world. That's like the entirety of of what I consider like value plays in terms of guys that I might uh, uh, indulge in as potential winners, and then, and those guys are major winners, right? We're not talking about you know chump change, uh, you know Frankie Molinari, um, damn near. Uh, validated his his uh, open championship with the Masters, and and Jason Day, uh, you know, had his tear, but also has a terrific relationship uh, with with Pebble. Um, I want to talk about not the only that, he brought on. Go ahead. Uh, sorry, not only that, but uh, Jason Day brought on Steve Williams, Tiger Woods' former caddy, this week, who was uh, on the bag for Woods when he won by 15 shots in 2000. So bringing in a little bit of course knowledge there with him as well, and. Uh, I'll, I'm actually with you in Molinari. He's one of those guys I put up there. Uh, as I mentioned, this is one of the shorter courses, and Molinari is as straight as it comes. So the fact that he can kind of hit driver and get away with it while a lot of guys will be hitting their irons and three woods, I think actually plays right into Molinari's favor a little bit. But yeah, I'm with you. Those two guys I like a lot. Molinari a little bit more than Day, just because Day's approach game can kind of go here and there. But um, both those guys, I definitely won't uh, turn anyone against front this week. You know, uh, I'm I'm looking right now. I'm pulling it up. Um, I want to see w- exactly what numbers those guys are. Oh, they 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 moved down both. So Frankie Molinari currently available at 35 to one. This is for you, you and I, uh, Joel Beal. Maybe we'll just go ahead and put a little in because there's always this uh, <laughs> phenomena. Once the po- podcast gets published, the odds start start creeping down. Molinari available at 35 to one right now. That is. That's a hot ticket. I like that quite a bit. And the same is true of Jason Day. I mean, you know, it would be pretty stunning for either one of them to win this tournament, although less stunning for the reasons you just mentioned for, for Molinari, because I honestly think that he had a U.S. Open style of game at the Masters. He was saving par from all over the place. Um, and, and and his, you know, his second shot prowess uh, it has been nearly un- unparalleled. Um, but I want to talk about the the creamiest of, of the cream, and and that is uh, Eldrick Tiger Woods. Uh, he is returning to the 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 place that that he he was responsible for. In my view, the single greatest major tournament performance in the history of golf, uh, and I. I honestly don't feel like that's hyperbole. <laughs> um, I, I, I'm talking to a lot of guys, they don't, they don't either. And uh, it's funny. They uh, uh, talking to a few, few fellows on the range. It's not just that he won by 15. It's that he won, won with a triple with 15. That's somehow even more astonishing to those guys that you could be, uh, you could have a number like that. still lap the field. Uh, it, it's, Literally, you watch the tape, and it's, it's, it's. I feel like Rory McIlroy actually has the same issue that he makes it look so easy when he's on, 
that we expected every time. And uh, yeah, man, you when you watch that 2000, that's the new US Open. It certainly takes you back to a different place. And even hearing the announcers discuss it, you can tell they they aren't quite believing what they're watching in front of them. If, if it's on YouTube, if no one has if never watched it, do yourself a favor and book three hours. The Sunday round is something you, you've never seen in sport before. That's right. Uh, one one of the things that that um, you know ha- has uh, trends. If you're a Tiger truther like I am, one one of the things that that really distinguished his performance in 2000 was his greens in regulation percentage. He was up near 72 percent greens in regulation over the course of that 2000 U.S. Open, uh, while the field average that year was under 50 percent it was like at 48 percent so he he you know he, he that that is a monumental difference uh between uh, a winner and the rest of the field in terms of second shot accuracy and um if you're looking for trends as a, as a tiger truther our pal justin ray at the 15th club who's coming on we're going to have him up on on this show wednesday sharing some of his thoughts and observations uh, as the tournament kicks off on, on, you know, things to look for and potential winners and some angles that might put a couple dollars in your pocket. Um, he made this observation that, that this season tigers hit nearly 73% of his greens in regulation. And, uh, two of the three times that he arrived at a U.S. open with a higher percentage, uh, uh of, of greens in regulation like this. And this was 2000 and 2008. He won those U.S. Opens. It's looking good for him, given that yeah he leads the tour right now in greens and regulation. And it's funny if you look at his numbers; they actually don't give him full credit because the, uh, the Masters doesn't count toward it, as well as the match play, which Tiger obviously had a very nice run there. So someone was on the tour is actually making the case that if you put those two in there, he'd actually be leading by about four or five percent. Uh, so he's He's really been off this game, and in the strokes game metric backs that up as well. They went ranks, uh, I think, ninth in strokes game tee to green. I mean, the guy is so good with his irons, especially from 175 yards and in that uh, these tight greens should kind of eliminate the, the, the guys who, you know, can just find the green and let their players do the work. That's not really Tiger's then, though. He, he really gets his work done uh, in, in the second shot. Now, the one thing that does scare me a little bit about Tiger is that he's been really, really bad, at least the past couple of years from the rough. Uh, he's actually 203rd right now in rough proximity. So for him, it's going to be imperative to keep it in the fairway. Uh, if not, he's going to really be struggling. But uh, I, I followed him and Bryson DeChambeau around today. He looks really loose. He looked good. Uh, you know, I, I, he has that quick exit, quick exit Excuse me, at best stage. But I think we can all kind of look back now and Tiger will make. He was really feeling under the weather. He didn't even show up to the course on Wednesday for his practice round. He was really battling a cold. I think that had a bigger effect than he really wanted to admit at the time. But uh, we, we saw at Columbus like, two weeks ago at the Memorial uh, with a very strong Sunday finish. They get finished in the top 10. Um, he, he's feeling it again. And uh, this is the course not only that he, that he went in 2000, but he finished T4 uh, here in 2010. So he, he clearly gets there's something about this course that, that suits his game. Uh, it's also not the toughest of putting services either. If you're looking for kind of one Achilles heel and what's current game, it's kind of what he does on the degree 73rd right now in stroke team putting. So the fact that that can kind of even things out a little bit around the green for him. Uh, man, I, I really have to put him. I, I, I'm still putting probably Brooks 
and DJ right above him. But I think Tiger is right there at number three for me in terms of my, my favorites going into this week. Yeah, so let, let's go ahead and talk uh, a couple other favorites. You just mentioned Rory and how easy he can make things look when he has it rolling. And fresh in everybody's eyes will be what he did yesterday at Hamilton up there in, in at the RBC Canadian Open, threatened 59 all the way up until the 18th hole when a slightly wayward iron shot found the bunker and he dan- he tried to chip into the hole and I admire him for it. Um, what do you think about, cause I have a strong opinion on Rory for this event, but I'm curious as to, to, to your thoughts on where he is and, and um, you know, whether or not he's a threat this week. I mean, it, it seems you're not going to bet against the guy who just came off 61. That could have easily been a 58 actually was considering he bogeyed 62 uh, coming down the stretch. Um, the two things that do pop out of me, I keep going back to, is that, and I think we mentioned this at Best Page, is that since that 2011 winning congressional, he's really struggled at this event, and yeah. most of it has had to do with he's just not been able to keep it in the fairway. I believe we, we, we said the importance of, of that a couple times already in the podcast. And this is more of a historical side, and admittedly I'm a slave to these type of things, but no one has ever won the U.S. Open who's won the week before the tournament. So that one's kind of sticking in my head a little bit. Uh, if anyone would break it, it would be Rory. Um, I just kind of keep going back to his, his driving accuracy or lack thereof. Uh, unless he really kind of takes his medicine and decides, I just have to keep the driver in the bag. That's something he's not really doing. That's a discipline he doesn't really have. I mean, again, I'm not, if you want to go with Rory, God bless you. God speed. I'm not going to try to convince you out of it. It's just, I don't think he's in that Brooks DJ range, especially at, I think he's going off anywhere from eight to nine to one odds right now. That's just too much for me, given his history at this tournament and how I think this course is going to set up. Yeah. I, I don't like to sound like a hater because I am not a hater of, of Rory. I have been frustrated with Rory over the years and have con- conveyed my frustration on the podcast just because I feel like he um, should have been the guy that that was rivaling Tiger's, you know, uh, um, ultra incandescent performance over a number of years. And I was pissed at him when he got hurt playing footsie. And I was pissed at him when he changed equipment and it took him a whole year to get used to the new equipment. And, you know, he's just like, he's, he's losing years in his twenties when he's physically should be at his peak, uh, and not going out and grabbing, majors by the balls, but I, I admire his game and greatly enjoy when he gets it going like yesterday. It's an incredible thing to watch. Having said all that, I'm going to bet on Rory McIlroy to miss the cut at this event this week. Um, I, he, he came out, uh, and, and I think they asked him about a practice round today at pebble. He said he wasn't going to make it cause he was going to be hung over. Uh, if I'm, if I'm recalling it correctly and I, I just, it, it, it's just a different kind of thing altogether at pebble. It's so radically different from anything, um, that, that he's experienced and he, he's only played it t- twice, uh, in, since 2010. Now maybe he's played it informally. He missed the cut at the 2010 open and he, um, you know, he, he MDF'd in 2017 or, or 18. So. He played three rounds and then, you know, missed the secondary cut. 
uh, that's not a great track record at a, at a place that, you know, has a peculiar and particular kind of requirement for, for success. And I think it's the case that all of Rory's uh, uh, advantage, which is hitting the ball 350 yards on the first hole at Hamilton and then having a, a, a 40-yard chip that he damn near holes out, you, that ain't happening at Pebble Beach. That's just not an option uh, at this venue under the, the conditions that this is going to be playing in. So I'm, I'm crossing Rory off of all of my lists. I know it's hard to bet a guy who can make things look so easy with five birdies in a row. And I'm with you. He also has, has really struggled, at this, especially as, as the U.S. Open, of avoiding the big number. We saw that at Shinnecock last year when things kind of start going off the track. If he makes a bogey, he tries to get it all back on that next shot. That's something you can't do here. You have to take your medicine. It's, I know the, the term good bogey is kind of set in jest, but it, there's also some truth to it. And, and until he kind of figures that out, I just don't see him re, you know, playing another U.S. Open. Because really, if you look to the one he won in uh, 2011, it really wasn't a U.S. Open. The course was really watered down. You can kind of do whatever you wanted off the tee box. As you mentioned it, even though the course is actually a little on the wetter side right now, it, there's no more rain scheduled and of course, this is the best place to dry out. Yeah, I, I just don't think this would be the, the year for Rory. Yeah. Well, well, one guy that, that has shown a little bit of resurgence or return to form that has um, again, another many, many major chops, lots of, lots of major tournament, uh, success. Jordan Spieth is back on, on the, the leaderboard again. Um, what, what, what's the sentiment out there at Pebble about, uh, Jordan's prospects this week? For, for some reason, I think we talked about this at Bethpage. So many people are jumping off the Jordan Spieth bandwagon. And now that he's turned things around with three top tens coming into this event, I'll tell you what, these guys are acting like they never left the side. And uh, the fact that George <laughs> won at Pebble before, uh, and it's funny, it, as much as we give Rory, not Rory for his driving accuracy, he's actually about in the same boat with Jordan. Uh, Jordan's been really way more off the tee the past two years, um, but he has somewhat figured that out at least the past month. It gives you hope that he can get it done here. Um, I mean, right there with Tiger, one of the best iron players in the world. I was really propelled speed of these past three weeks is putting, which will be interesting because his iron shots haven't been particularly great. It's just been whenever he's on the green, he's been able to drop it. So I was going to intrigue me over the next couple of days, at least in the practice rounds, to seeing what he's doing with his approaches because these shots that he was hitting at Memorial and you know, at, even at Bethpage, they wouldn't find the green here this week. So he really has to tune in uh, his second shot prowess as a shot, but and given his, his odds are still, I think the place I'm looking at, they're still 16, 17 to one. Yeah. That's a pretty intriguing number for, for, for a guy who's already wanted to sports before. So, um, yeah, I, it, it's, I, I consider myself a big beat backer. Like him this week, don't love him, but uh, he, he certainly would, you would think would have a pretty good chance uh, given the way his team's trending at the moment. I'm with you. I'm gonna. I I like but don't love him. I'm gonna put a little on him to top twenty. I'm gonna put a little on him to top ten, just because I want to root for it uh, and I like it. I don't think I'm gonna touch him to win. Now I I know you have to go. I have one last thing for you during our our time here. The the glorious one of us the sports books, the one that I follow uh, most prominently. And since they don't pay for uh, the, any of the show, since there's no sponsorship, I'm not giving them a shout out. Um, yeah. <laughs> 
There are some props up. Now, these are vanilla props. These are not any of the fun props that I know you'll find as the course uh, uh, over the course of the week as the week evolves. Um, but there are a couple that I'm interested in. Uh, right now, will there be a hole in one? Yes is minus 145. No is plus 115. I guess the the only hole that feels to me like it's hole in oneable is seven. And that means you 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 believe that the wind is going to be pretty docile over the course of the week. In the first place, do you agree is seven the most hole in oneable, or am I getting that wrong? No, you're right. I was just thinking it's, it's, everything else is too close in terms of greens. That whereas uh, seven, it's, once you get on the greens, there's not a lot to it. And Fallen uh, Tiger said he actually nearly charted, but it's about two feet on seven. So yeah, if, if it happens anywhere, it's got to be got to be there. So minus one forty five. Will you play it or no play? Is it a stay away? I'll let it ride. I'd play it. It's uh, yeah. This many guys in the field, uh, that many chances at it. Even if the wind is somewhat steady, these guys can still handle it from that from that distance. So yeah, I, I would say yes. I like that one too. The other one I'm interested in your opinion on right now. You, uh, the the nationality of the winner. Uh, USA versus the field. USA is minus 140. The field is plus 110. I have to tell you, I absolutely adore the USA. We, we have had the, the, the uh, nationality of the winner over the last nine majors. Eight of those nine has been uh, a, a citizen of the United States of America, with the only aberration being uh, Sergio Garcia at the Masters. Uh, oh no! I'm sorry. Uh, oh, and Molinari. Uh, for, yep. Molinari. Molinari is the one in the nine. Uh, I, I'm going too far back uh, with this eight out of nine. Um, but in any event, nationality of the winner minus 140. That means you get if you if you put that in, you get Tiger, you get DJ, you get Kepka, you get, you get Cantlay, you get Bro- uh, you get who else? Spieth. You get Phil. You get Kucher. Kind of, I like Kate it. Vander, I like another, it. Another guy who just seems to roll out of bed and get a top ten in every major. Uh, it's funny. Uh, the only really non-American I'm liking outside Molinari, at least it's jumping out, is Paul Casey, who who played well here in, in February and uh, doesn't need a lot of power. Uh, I'm actually off the Tommy Fleetwood bag, and I feel like Fleetwood mentioned a lot three majors, and so far he's yet to punch it. So you're going to hear a lot of Fleetwood this week. Go ahead and watch a win, but this is the one week I wouldn't roll with Tommy Fleetwood. But yeah, I'm with you, and I'm glad you mentioned Patrick Hanley too because uh, definitely his his odds dropped after he won the Memorial. But if you're basing that bet straight off Memorial, you haven't seen what Patrick Hanley's done the past couple months. He played really well at Augusta, had a nice finish uh, at at Bet Page, uh, played well as well as RBC Heritage. So he's he's really coming to his own. He does score very well. So uh, Patrick Hanley's another name I, I definitely keep an eye on this week. Yeah, I, I'm bummed. He's all the way down to fourteen to one. His odds are are shorter now than than Jordan Spieth. Spieth's at sixteen to one. Cantley was available Sunday lunchtime of the Memorial at twenty eight to one to win the U.S. Open, and I sat there like, oh, I have to put this in right now, and then I got distracted. I'm not sure my eight year old must have asked me for a, a piece of toast or something, and I and I got distracted. Never got it in. The tournament ended. He drew, immediately dropped down to twenty one, and here he is. Available at, at, at fourteen to one. Let, let's end on on on. I want to end it on a on a negative note uh, because I'm going to. I'm glad you mentioned Fleetwood. I'm fading the F boys. I'm f- I'm fading Fleetwood. 
I'm fading Fowler and I'm fading Tony Fee now. I don't believe we we've I've just uh, grown impatient with all of them, and all of them have walked up to you know the precipice of you know let, let's talk about the cliff on number eight. They've walked up to the edge and they look over and they don't like what they see, and the next thing you know, the ball's going in the water. Fleetwood especially has hit eject on Sunday in particular in all the big events. His scoring average at the Players Championship, the Masters, and the PGA Championship has been horrendous on Sunday. Uh, um, Finau doesn't seem to me yet to have the mental uh, uh, part of this down, and you can't not have the mental part down uh, and have success at Pebble. And I'm not sure... If we at this stage of the game are are not in in a world where everybody just is overrating Ricky Fowler, like maybe he's not as good a player as all of the accolades and the claim um, that's heaped upon him. He's a terrific personality, a terrific brand. I'm not sure how great a, a major golfer he is. What do you think? Well, the last point I was I was flip flop because. I'm with you to an extent. I, I do think the marketing appeal vastly outweighs the actual performance of the player. That being said, he does, if you look at his major performance, he's been consistently very, very good. I think the problem with Fowler is he hasn't done that extra gear. To him, it's just, hey, here's what I have to do over these 70, 72 holes without really taking into account what the rest of the field's doing. Um, he's still relatively young. I think I wouldn't be surprised if he wins one or two, but. Um, yeah, I'm with you. I don't think this this is not the course. I think it's going to be more of a PGA Championship venue or even an Open Championship. But this U.S. Open doesn't. I don't think this is Fitz Fowler's game. Um, it's funny you mentioned Finau. Legitimately, probably the nicest guy out here. Uh, yeah. Can he just win an event though before we before we are putting him as, as a major major contender? Uh, all all he's won so far is an alternate event. So I, I kind of want to before I back you on a major. I need to see you get it done on a regular circuit. And yeah, it's funny. I was trying to make this point to Fleetwood because obviously last year he finished second at the U.S. Open, but it was kind of a backdoor second as much as one can can be a backdoor second. He played very early in the morning and made his run before conditions kind of toughened up a little bit in the afternoon. So I'm with you. I kind of need to see what Fleetwood does in the fire a little bit more before we keep writing this when Tommy Fleetwood's time to win a major. So I I fully endorse staying away from the F this week. Save, yeah. save for Francesco. Go ride Francesco. We're all, all, all okay with that. Yeah, that's that's perfect. I love it. Frankie Onions, that's that that's that's our play. All right, Joel Beal, thanks for coming on as always. I think we've set the stage here and uh we'll be looking what else in in addition to your props uh offering that you'll have up on Wednesday. What else are you working on this week? So, after this, we're heading to the Hall of Fame ceremony, which is just right down the road. Uh has a little something on that. There's a uh course called Pacific Grove for those in the area. It's called the Four Man's Pebble Beach. You can get on there for about $45, $50. Just as good as used and really good course, so we're going to take a visit there. I have a couple bigger Tiger pieces coming on later in the week, and then uh, at that point, we'll just see how the tournament plays out and go from there. That sounds great. I'm looking forward to it, and we'll be reading all your stuff. All right, Hal. Be good, buddy. Thanks, buddy. You too. My thanks, as always, to Joel Beal. Check out all his stuff, golfdigest.com, throughout the week. We are going to jump on with Schusty in a minute and talk about what the guys are going to be wearing. I want to tell you about this brand-new podcast that Callaway Golf is running. It is Real Golf Talk with Johnny Miller, hosted by Chris Harrison of The Bachelor. 
This is probably the most cherished podcast job in all of golf. Chris Harrison has it. Uh, he gets to sit down and talk with Johnny Miller after each of the majors this year. Johnny's sharing all his stuff in the purely unvarnished, uh, tell it like it is kind of way that only Johnny Miller can. They're going to have this episode up right after the U.S. Open is finished. We're going to hear what Johnny has to say. Johnny and Chris, another terrific conversation all about Pebble Beach. Real golf talk with Johnny Miller on the Callaway Podcast Network. It will be up and available, callawaygolf.com, hopefully the Monday after the U.S. Open. Check it out. This episode of Fairway Rolling brought to you by our friends at Destination Kohler in Kohler, Wisconsin, home of Whistling Straits and Black Wolf Run. It is ranked by Golf Digest as having four of the top 100 public courses in the United States. Those are courses that you can play. Kohler was the site of the 2004, the 2010, and the 2015 PGA Championships. That's Whistling Straits. Also home of the 2020 Ryder Cup, the first public course in a generation to host the Ryder Cup. Each of the four courses at Kohler have been artfully crafted by Hall of Fame golf course designer Pete Dye, the legend who understands the mind and struggles of the amateur, at the same time knows how to drive the pros crazy. Imagine, my birdie buddy, summer in Kohler, Wisconsin on the shore of Lake Michigan. A couple rounds of championship golf on the rugged Irish-inspired courses of Whistling Straits. A couple rounds experiencing the glacier-carved natural Midwestern beauty of Black Wolf Run. You follow that up with a few rounds of ice-cold beverages to wash down a delightful basket of hot, fresh, deep-fried Wisconsin cheese curds. Oh, this is living. It's time to get rolling to DestinationKohler.com. To book your golf package today. That's destinationcaller.com. Book your golf package today. Ladies and gentlemen, now on the tee from Minneapolis, Minnesota, having qualified for this United States Open at Cedar Home Golf and Aquatics, Megan Schuster, welcome to the tea. House, thank you so much for having me ahead of this wonderful U.S. Open. How about it? I mean, it's the uh, 119th edition, a wealth of riches, both between the characters that will be participating and the glorious stories. Please tell me that these handsome gentlemen are going to be wearing some handsome duds. Yeah, it's U.S. Open scripting season, right? Yes, very and I, I, I want to be excited, but the, the Masters and the PGA Championship really left something to be desired, Juicy. Yeah, there's a, there's a pretty low bar to clear, I will say, going into the U.S. Open to try and uh, combat those other two tournaments. Uh, so I thought we could go through in a few different tiers. One tier, we can start off with the ones that impressed us that we actually liked, you know, start, get, you know, get things rolling on a high note. Then we can go through the ones that are fine and then the ones that are uh, pretty tragic. How's that sound? I love it. It's a good, this is the best way to do it. Okay. So I will say the first one, and this is the major one that I'm most excited about, is uh, Tiger Woods, which oh. is such a, such a thrill to be able to say, as I was very disappointed with his PGA looks. Um, 
And I don't know if it's just uh, the feeling of having big little eyes back in my life, but I'm loving his like not quite pastel, mellow California tones that he's got going on this weekend. He has uh, sort of like a toned down like slaty purple for Thursday. He's got a bright pink on Friday, a nice turquoise color for Saturday. And then of course his uh, mock turtleneck red on Sunday. Um, it's like very summery tones without being neon or obnoxious. Very satisfying color palette. Uh, just pretty good all around. Is there a collar on any of these shirts? I know there's not a collar on the Sunday shirt. He's, and got, I know the, there's, he's got the blade collar going. On all the rest of them, yeah, right? Yeah, yep. Because he's an athlete. This is the thing that he wants all of us to know. He and Nike together, the collaboration, the TW line of Nike wear is is for athletes. The problem I have with it is who – this is the only problem, and this is not a knock because okay. I'm not knocking Tiger right. upon the advent of this this uh, great event. But, like, who can wear that? It's You know who can wear it? Producer Craig can wear it. Producer <laughs> Craig – He's fit. He's a youth. His he's got a V-shaped, you know, got the, he's got the proper sized chest. He's got broad shoulders. But like, I don't have that build. <laughs> I mean, I, I if it, it's maybe it's just for the youth. Maybe that's a youth play for 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 Tiger and, and Nike. What do you think? Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think uh, they're definitely swaying more toward that um, sort of quote unquote athlete crowd. Um, I'm a little bit surprised that they haven't given Brooks the same treatment. You would think if they were going to give Tiger that sort of a look that that would extend to Brooks as well. But maybe Brooks is more of a fan of the collar than uh, the blade. Well, the thing with Brooks and and, and it, do we have his script lined up. We for do. The week? Yeah, yeah, very similar color palette, but he does have a collar all four days. Yeah, but the the thing with him is they make sure that um, the the uh, sleeves, the arms on those things are so tight that we, <laughs> we're getting strong gun imagery every single time. You know, the guns are out. The sun is out all week long at Pebble Beach. There's no no forecast uh, that includes any real possibility of rain. And, and and the only rain that we're going to have out there is is Brooks Kepka raining the guns down on us uh, from all over the place, it seems like. House, do you think he has those sleeves like taken in or tailored or do you think that his like biceps are just that big that like on a normal shirt? That's what it looks like. The latter. He's a monster. <laughs> it's major. You, I, you can't get me to say anything bad about uh, uh, Kepka when it comes to a major. The U.S. opens upon us. All I'm going to say is nice things about Brooks Kepka. I, I second the motion. Um, the only other person that I have in this uh, top group is Ricky Fowler. Um, oh. We all know he and Puma like to try new things. And I thought this was sort of a nice balance between doing something new and something a little bit more understated. Um, for Thursday, he has like a pretty simple shirt, but he's supposed to be rocking some like bright blue pants which I'm intrigued by, uh, sort of continuing the trend that he had with the pink pants that he used at the PGA Championship. He's got sort of a muted camo shirt going on, a mellowed down orange for Sunday. Uh, I just thought it was a nice mix of color and some fun prints. Okay, I, I, I dig it. I, I've only seen one version uh, of his script so far, but I, I agree with you. There is like a, this mature Ricky vibe that's starting to sort of become the prevailing vibe for him mm -hmm. stylistically he's still defining himself in a unique way but i like i like the grown-up version of ricky i do too i do too i've been pleasantly surprised 
Um, then in the sort of fine category, I had Brooks and we sort of already talked about his looks. He has a very similar color palette to Tiger. Um, he's supposed to be wearing some khaki pants on Friday, which I find to be sort of an odd choice, but, Yuck. uh, not, not my favorite by any means, but I think, uh, overall I'm, I'm just, you know, sort of a fan of the color palette. Um, and then I have Jordan in this group also, I'm never particularly impressed with his looks, but in this case, uh, there were so many that I was putting in the bottom category that his was sort of elevated by default. Um, but he's got some like soothing ocean tones going on, a lot of like sea foam, navy, uh, a nice blue for sat- Saturday, and a white striped shirt with sea foam for Sunday, which I thought was just kind of a nice nod to Pebble. I agree that 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 that's all fine, and that's you use the word fine. That's this category, <laughs> yes. and that's how I would describe all of Jordan Spieth's uh, uh, sartorial choices thus far this season. Yeah. Uh, and then my last one in this category, which may be a little bit of a surprise, is Justin Thomas. Oh. Uh, yeah, I remember you emailed me his scripting when it came out last week. Uh, it was sort of shocking. The camo, I think, is a tough look. He has some bright blue pants with camo with red and white stars on it, which is falling into the sort of traditional U.S. Open trap of like, let's go red, white and blue. But uh, I will give them some credit for trying something original, I guess. Well, it's it's. This is a a Ralph Lauren special. Um, They, you'll recall the octopus pants that Billy Horschel wore um, (laughs) at Marion. Yes, they do choose, you know, to try and push the the envelope. That they, it feels like it coincides with Father's Day. They put some looks out there that maybe some dads, you know, who fancy themselves to be a little bit on the on the cutting edge, a little fashion forward. They just go ahead and volunteer some stuff that. I didn't mind what I saw out of the Justin Thomas stuff. The problem was like the cut, like the pants mm-hmm. um, that you're talking about are, I again, I'm a grown man. I cannot wear pants like that. They're like <laughs> damn near jogger pants. Yeah, they the really tape, are. The taper all the way down and the slim uh, uh, fit of it. Like anybody with any man with a, with a, with a genuine butt, like imagine John Rom trying to put those <laughs> pants on, right? Let's just take me out of the equation. The Rominator could not wear these pants under any, uh, a scenario. Am I right? No, you're, you're, I mean, you're incredibly right. That would be uh, quite the look. It's a very specific one that Justin Thomas can do because he is on the slimmer side of things, but you're right. These are not cuts that are made for just anyone. <laughs> that's, that's that's a great way to put it. Okay, let's let's talk about this bottom tier. Yeah, the bottom tier. My first bottom tier entry is just sort of a blanket like Adidas. What are you doing? Damn um, it, Adidas! Just the step sec- it up. The second straight major that I've said this, but there's just zero imagination going on. They stuck with the full red, white, and blue theme, but like in with no originality to it. There was nothing bold, nothing exciting, or nothing even traditional, really. It was sort of like a robot designed these. Um, I feel like if you're going to do red, white, and blue at the U.S. Open, you have to do something either original or classic, and they did neither. This is the thing. It feels like I'm glad you said the robot thing. This is exactly uh, what I'm feeling triggered about. Are they running an algorithm for these outfits? (laughs) Because they, everything like the the DJ stuff couldn't be flatter. Mm-mm. The Jason Day stuff couldn't be more boring. Um, uh, uh, Sergio, Sergio, just it's just it's you know Sergio's got to make the cut of the major before we start getting serious about his clothing. <laughs> but it's like Adidas has a reputation. I have 
uh, been an Adidas clothing fan for a long time, mm-hmm. but now uh, I'm mostly like in their shoes. I like their shoes a lot. I don't. I can't tell you the last time I bought anything uh, of theirs um, because the style of it appealed to me. Yeah, they've really sort of fallen off. I used to like their golf looks as well, but throughout this year, I've just been really, really unimpressed like week after week with what they're sending guys out in. Yeah, it's just blah. Yeah, extremely. And then the last one on my list, once again, just like at the PGA, is uh, Rory McIlroy. Um, can my man get some respect? Like, Nike has had good looks for other guys, right? Like, Tiger and Brooks should both be looking fine this weekend. Um, Rory just won the RBC in Canada. He's coming into the U.S. Open hot. And once again, he's sort of dressed like someone whose mom buys his shirts at Kohl's, which is like no disrespect to Kohl's, but... Rory deserves better. He's got some weird stripe action going on on all of his shirts. They're essentially the same shirt, just in different colors. Um, just really no imagination going on. I don't get it. I think it's a great point. You you just conveyed it exactly the way I would say it. It appears as though his outfit was bought for him by an adult who wants to dress Rory a certain way. Right. Hey, Rory, go pick your own clothes. Like... <laughs> He actually, I thought he looked pretty good, all things considered, from the from the Rory sartorial stance uh, yesterday, mm-hmm. winning the Canadian. I liked the shirt. The shirt showed a little bit of of ingenuity, had some color scheme that felt right. To, in fact, it really set up nicely for, and I think he was doing kind of a nod to the Canadian vibe. Right. But, I mean, it, it also had a, a co- uh, application to a to a, a preview of of U.S. Open wear, but th- I think that's going to be the best look we see him all week. Was the was the look he showed <laughs> us Sunday at the R winning the RBC? I agree, and I guess you know if you're going to win a tournament, that's the time that you want to look your best. But you also want to come into the U.S. Open hoping to win a tournament, and I wouldn't want to be photographed in any of these looks holding up a trophy. So it's a t- it's going to be a tough weekend, I think. Well, he's not. He's missed the last three cuts at the U.S. Open, and. Maybe we should look at the the, the scripting for those uh, events. There, there, maybe there's a pattern here. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. there's a, it could we could blame the clothes. All right, Schuster, we got one more time for one more thing. Uh, what do you got? I think we have to talk about Phil, just like we always have to talk about <laughs> Phil. We do. We it, do. It would not be a major week or really a week on Golf Social if we didn't have something to talk about with Phil. Um, yes. But last week, if you haven't been on the internet, Phil was hanging out in Jim Nance's backyard, which first of all, I just want a whole lot of more information about that friendship and how many like barbecue afternoons Nance just has. But uh, anyway, Nance has a replica of the seventh hole at Pebble in his backyard, which is an iconic flex. And they filmed a video there of Phil hitting a shot. And before we talk about what happens in the video, we have to note that Nance uh, narrates the video like it's Sunday on CBS. Um and I wanted to ask you, how do you think Nance just has this hole in his backyard so he can practice his calls? Oh, uh, you know, it, it certainly works. That that cross application uh, definitely makes a, a lot of sense. We saw last year Nick Faldo. Uh, I don't remember the time of year that they were out there, whether it was in, in advance of the AT&T event um, out of Pebble. I don't remember why Faldo was in Nance's backyard, but we had a similar kind of experience Um with that one. Um, it's an incredible backyard. It literally abuts. I saw, I was out at Pebble last year for the U S amateur and, uh, Jeff Shackelford pointed out to me where Nance's house was. I mean, it's like literally right on the golf course. It's like the property touches the property. It's an incredible setup. That's that sounds amazing. Um, so anywho, Phil 
takes a shot, hits a hole in one. Uh, he has this massive celebration, sends up a kiss skyward. Uh, there was like a three second bleep out of the audio in the middle of the video. And I'm frankly pretty desperate to know what was said during that time that they had to take it out. You um, think it's anything other than fig jam? <laughs> no, probably Seriously. not. Probably think, not. I mean, well, and honestly, why bleep that of right. all the things right. to bleep? Just give it, just tell it, just, yeah. Uh, it was the fig jammiest moment of all fig jams. It was perfect. It was perfect. Uh, and then, of course, he captioned it with dropping bombs to dropping the mic, dropping hole in ones on pebble number seven in Nance's backyard is how I get ready for the U.S. Open. Hashtag karma in all caps and hashtag side sauce. So I think it's safe to say that Phil's ready for the U.S. Open. So I loved it because it felt like asshole sauce to me. <laughs> this was like, you know, this was like a thing like the, it was the rich guy rotisserie. You know what I mean? Oh, we're, yeah. at Nance, we're at Nancy's and we're having a thing and there's a barbecue. And, you know, the vodka tonics are, are off to the side there. <laughs> and I will say this. I don't want to, to direct Phil's ire in my direction in any way, shape or form. Phil was fat. He looks yeah. sloppy. You know, he, he wasn't it wasn't the the tight fill. He wasn't in in garb. He looked like, you know, he rolled in from the club. This is I've I've seen this scene a thousand times at any of the clubs, you know, you play at at uh with guys at the end of the round and everybody's just shooting shit and drinking and, and talking all <laughs> kinds of trash. And then he walks up, he drops the golf club like he's dropping the mic. This was all asshole sauce. Of course, I loved it, um, but it was, you know, it's a different version of the Phil media presence that he's become. This was spontaneous, yes. so it didn't have the charm that I've grown accustomed to. He set a different bar. He set a whole new standard for me, Shusty. It he didn't has. have some of the charm of the well-orchestrated stuff out of Phil. No, it didn't, but I will say having Nance narrate it was uh, a very nice new wrinkle to his media tour. Top level, top level stuff. Well, uh, who, who, who do you have? I, I know, uh, you, you've, you've got, um, strong feelings for Jordan Spieth and his performance this week. Who are you going for this week? I do. I would love to see him have a good performance. I don't see him winning, but if he could get anywhere, you know, close to the top 15, top 10, I think that would be a fantastic boon for his confidence ahead of the open championship. Um, yeah. I just, this is so unoriginal, but I just have the hardest time picking against Brooks. I was with you. so impressed by him at Beth Page, uh, and until he proves me wrong, I don't think I can pick, I can pick against him. Well, I, I I'm not going to pick against him either. <laughs> uh, I'm figuring out some ways to 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 include him in a variety of different uh, calculations. I've got my own spreadsheets going. It's not the algorithm that Adidas uses for its terrible clothes. Well, thank goodness I have my for own, that. <laughs> my, my own gambling algorithm ready. Shusty, thank you so much. We we shall. Uh, Return again uh, soonest. I know that Phil Mickelson is going to have something glorious for us, perhaps even over the course of this tournament. Yes, I'm sure he will. Thanks, pal. Thanks, house. Boom. There we go. We have all of the intel on what the fellas are wearing. My thanks to Megan Schuster. We also know what Phil Mickelson's up to. Do you want to take your golf game to the next level? My par saving pals, check out the new Golf Digest Schools, which offer more than 350 classes on every part of the game, all from golf's leading teachers. From Butch Harmon to David Ledbetter to Jim McClain, these are not quick tips that you pull up on the YouTube. This is from power to putting, from breaking 100 to breaking par. 
No video program gives you more opportunities to take your game to the next level, just as if you were working with a pro. And here's how. With the Golf Digest schools, you send a video of your swing to be analyzed by a qualified instructor, or you follow fitness programs to help you get in your best golf shape. It's like having the best minds in golf at your disposal wherever you are, on your phone, laptop, or TV screen. We just talked about this. This is what Dustin Johnson is doing with Butch Harmon. It's why he fired Claude Harmon. He didn't need Claude standing there watching him. He takes a video and sends it to Butch. He's been doing it for 20 years. Sign up for Golf Digest schools or give it as a last-minute Father's Day gift. This is great. Go to golfdigest.com slash access and use promo code FAIRWAY to get 30% off an annual subscription. That's golfdigest slash access and use promo code FAIRWAY. Podcast peeps, do you miss when sports networks just covered the news and the highlights without the yelling and the fake debates? You know I do. That's why I'm watching CBS Sports HQ. What is CBS Sports HQ? It's a free 24-hour sports network built for fans like you and me. I'm loving. I get the highlights, the analysis, the instant game reactions, a ton of all that. Everything that matters about the game without diving into any of the silliness, political, social, like on other sports networks. If you enjoy allocating a little capital, placing some bets, or just competing against your friends in a fantasy league, they have experts, and those experts are dishing out top picks and advice to help all of us collect some W's. Check out CBS Sports HQ. It's always on and always free. No need to pay a subscription fee, or have an expensive cable package. Just download the CBS Sports app on your phone, your Fire TV, your Roku, your Apple TV to start watching today. Ladies and gentlemen, now on the tee, qualifying for this U.S. Open at the Snowman Trail Golf and Country Club. Please welcome Chris Vernon. House, I took a nap on Sunday, and Rory McIlroy was up by two strokes. And I woke up 45 minutes later, and he was up by eight strokes. And I was like, wait, what happened? (laughs) And so that was the Canadian Open experience, one that I will not have this week at Pebble Beach because not only – is it on one of the most glorious courses to watch? It is also going to be in prime time. This is literally a dream come true. We have a game seven in the Stanley Cup. We got the NBA finals going on. And then as of Thursday evening, we are going to get to watch golf for four straight days, kicked off at the end with Father's Day. This is the best. The I mean, it's re- gotten good again. Yeah, I, I, I really, it feels almost undeserved. Like, this is a, a, a wealth of riches that I'm almost embarrassed by, but not too embarrassed to enjoy it. Now, look, you just went through two things that, that uh, uh, are, are different about this coming week. Here's one more thing that I believe is going to be different about this upcoming week. I believe that Rory McIlroy is not going to be burning down any houses uh, on the weekend. 
of this uh, particular tournament. It is my contention that Rory McIlroy has won the Open Championship that he is going to win in 2019 in North America, and that was just yesterday up there in Canada. What do you think about that? I think that you're probably safe given his uh, uh, lack of victories in the last five years under the circumstances. Also, U.S. Open, I mean, you know, he's coming off that win. He obviously had a great time in Canada. Um, had a Kyle Lowry jersey on and made a bold prediction that the Raptors were going to close it out against the Golden State Warriors in a fifth game. Um, I agree with you. Listen, um, he looked to be amazing. Had a chance of shooting 59. Looked to be amazing. Standing in the fairway with it. He did in the fairway, but uh, I've fallen into this trap before. I've fallen into the trap where it's like, oh, my God, look at that. Like, how, 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 how is anybody going to be able to deal with this? And then he shatters me. Now, I will say he might be a fairway rolling listener because I literally got in the discussion last episode with you about, like, where is this guy? Like, when it, like I, I thought at the very beginning of the season he was just going to be wearing people out. And he was going to be running off with victory after victory. If it's not DJ, it's Rory. And if it's not Rory, it's DJ. And then he played well, but it wasn't like he was winning or running away with tournaments uh, week after week. And then, of course, he showed up at the Canadian Open and looked like the best player on earth. So what do I know? But I wouldn't bank on him this week either. Yeah, he he um he's having statistically, I believe, either his very best season in his entire career or his second best season. And you know, when you string together all the top fives that he's put together over the course of this 2019 season, I mean, that's in- incredible golf. It, the the funny thing is, the standard with him is so high, our expectations with him, because to me, he's the only guy that ever that I've seen in the in the last 15 years that I would bear you know dare to breathe in the same sentence as Tiger Woods. I I really thought that that Rory had a chance to get to double digit majors. I don't feel that way now. Uh, I don't feel that way any longer um because of the missed opportunities in his 20s when he was getting hurt and messing around with equipment and other kind of stuff like that. But you know, Rory at the top of his game, you know, he kind of does it once a year, once every 18 months. He reminds you of like, I mean, that, that it's a, and again, it's Sunday performances where he just comes out, yeah. everything's working. It's this one in the Arnold Palmer, uh, last year where he just was like, Hey, uh, you, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a guy. I'm, I was number one in the world at one point in time. And, and everybody was thinking about me. Yeah. And then, well, what about, uh, what about the one earlier? Was it Mexico where he yes. birdied everything on Sunday and Dustin Johnson just would not relent. I mean, Dustin Johnson had to birdie every single hole. Just like you kept looking up, and you're like, "Dude, Rory is birdieing every hole, and somehow not gaining any ground. Like this is outrageous." And and that was kind of like the you know that was in the fall, and it was like, "Okay, is this what this is going to be like?" Where it's where you know these two have kind of separated themselves from everybody else, and maybe like you said, when that was the expectation point coming in. Then, especially in the majors, right? He's, he hasn't. I know that he won the players. I know that at the very end, you know, he's made some runs in yep. some of these majors. But it wasn't like we were watching all of his shots. 
at these majors. And we all no. got we all got geeked up for the first major of the year, and he was a big disappointment at the Masters. Yeah, and so you know, I think a lot of it feeds off of that. But he's still damn good. All right, well let's let's just cross him off the list. Uh, obviously, we're going <laughs> to. <laughs> now here, here, let me let me bounce this off of you. It is my contention uh, that with this 2019 U.S. Open at Pebble Beach, given the quality of play at the very upper up, uppermost echelon of, of, of the game, that is to say, we have so many guys in great form right now that span a bunch of different generations. Honestly. Um, that we're there there to me there are only maybe a dozen guys capable of winning this tournament. I don't think this is this US Open in 2019 at Pebble Beach is going to be a first time winner nor do I think that it's it's going to be, you know, somebody that's that's down in like the the 30 to 1 or 40 to to 1 range. I don't think somebody's coming out of left field and surprising us. What do you think about that? I think the devil's advocate would be, hey, you got tiny greens and some real penalty uh, if you miss some fairways. And so many times what we have seen is when the U.S. Open gets, and you've got these bumpy greens where guys get frustrated on them. And so what you have seen in many U.S. Opens in the past is not that the leaderboard is chalk-filled with the best players. But in fact, there are surprise names there. I guess it's, I guess it's honestly dependent upon what kind of number you think wins it. Now you are honestly like you're subscribing to exactly what Brooks Kepka says. What he says is the, the majors. Now you could take this for what it's worth, but every time he's asked about it, he says the majors are easier to win because there's half the field has no chance. And then you're dealing with about 40 guys, and, and they're just there. Um, but you're really having to beat about 10 to 15 guys. That's who, I'm, like, that's who I feel like I'm having to beat. Like that's, that's who I've got to beat in order to win one of these majors. There's about 10 or 15 guys that have a chance. So sounds like uh, Joe House subscribes to the Kepka theory on this. And I'll tell you this. You look through those odds, and you're like, damn, man, there are a lot of great players right now. A lot of great players because some of these guys, uh, you know, are you know you see them in some of these regular tournaments, and they're amongst the favorites, and they are way down on the list when it comes to the U.S. Open. Well, this is my point. I mean, this is exactly right. This is a cream of the yeah. crop kind of uh, uh, event here, and you know, I th- I I take your point. I think it's a good observation about the U.S. Open sometimes producing. Uh, surprise winners, guys who persevered in the face of of you know other 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 guys' calamity. I mean, that's how Webb Simpson won. That's how honestly, that's how Graham McDowell won in 2010. DJ, you know, looked like he was going to win this thing, r- running away with it, uh, and then went and shot 82 on Sunday. But you know, Graham McDowell also won because Tiger shot 74 on Sunday in 2010. If Tiger shot even par, he would have tied. Uh, McDowell okay. for, for, for that one. But I mean, the le- the so run the that we... Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Here's the, here's the question. What's the number? I, I think it's like five under. Have- I think it's going to be like Oakmont. Five under wins the tournament. Yeah, five or six under. I think it's going to play like Oakmont played, where one guy, there'll maybe be five or six guys under par for the entire event, 
and one guy's going to be at like five or six under and everybody else, um, you know, there'll be a couple of guys scrabbling around down in the one under two under range. One guy's going to distinguish himself and win by three or four shots. That's, that's my sort of estimate as we sit here on a Monday. Now I'm going to do my deep dive in my analytics. I'm having Justin Ray from the 15th club on, on Wednesday, and maybe he'll, he'll convince me of something different. But as we sit here right now, that's my guess as to how this is going to play out. So you think that Kepka is going to shoot 10 under on the first day and then just be five over the rest of the time. (laughs) You just, Hey, how dare you? You just used the wrong name. I I can't believe the blasphemy that I'm hearing on this podcast. Let's just go ahead and commence with this week in Tiger Woods. Tiger, Tiger, Tiger Woods. Now, Verno, this is Pebble Beach, my friend. Brooks Kepka has w- competed in one event. Now, he was a top 10 in, the, in, in his event. This is 2016. He played in the Pro-Am, and he had a top 10 in it, and that's nice. I give him a pat on the back for that. But Tiger Woods at, at Pebble Beach, this is some mystic, mystical, uh, uh, spiritual shit right here, my brother. The single greatest tournament golf, the single greatest major performance in the history of the game of golf was 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 committed by Eldrick Tiger Woods in 2000 and here we are back with this redemption story this reclamation story this story of Tiger reascending to his proper place in the golf pantheon do you think in a million years that I'm picking anybody other than Tiger Woods to win this golf tournament i do not believe I wouldn't know you if you were picking anybody else except for Tiger Woods. Okay, so here's the thing, House. What I need to know is, do you think that it will be any level of distraction that Stevie Williams, his old caddy who was on his bag that incredibly historic day, is going to come out of retirement to be on the bag, not of one other Tiger Woods, but on Jason Day? I absolutely love this. I think it's a terrific story. I commend Jason Day. Jason Day, by the way, available right now on the books at thirty-five to win, thirty-five to one to win this tournament. Now, I don't think he's going to win, but I'm going to play him a bunch of different ways. My my man is coming out with great big gigantic Sam Cassell balls and putting them on on everybody. I I, I admire it so much. But uh, I don't think Tiger, would Tiger be distracted by Stevie Williams being on the golf course? I don't think so. I don't believe so. I don't think he's going to take it as a, he doesn't regard Jason Day as a threat. That's, that's the thing about it, right? If it was Kepka or DJ guys that he, he lived legitimately considers to be contenders to win. That might be interesting. In fact, how about this, uh, uh, Verno? If DJ had fired his brother, at the same time that he got rid of Claude Harmon as his coach and hired Stevie Williams to be his caddy on his bag for this tournament, I, I mean, golf the the golf internet might have burned down. That would have been that would have been an incredible <laughs> sequence of events. And I'm kind of disappointed that it didn't happen because you know when I when we got together after the PGA Championship, I was critical of DJ at the end of that round. Like he was, what's up, motherfuckers? <laughs> Was that a technical difficulty? Yeah. It's it does. Bill Simmons. That's a technical difficulty. 
<laughs> well, <laughs> hey, you're, you you arrive at the right time. We, I was just about to give Dustin Johnson uh, a hard time for have, continuing to have his brother on his bag. It, it seems like they have questionable decision-making because Verno uh, pointed out uh, Jason Day went and hired Tiger's old caddy, Stevie Williams, to mm. be his caddy this week. And I told Verno, I don't think Tiger gives a shit about Stevie Williams being on Jason Day's bag. <laughs> but no. I do. I, it would have been interesting if DJ had DJ just just got rid of one of his swing coaches, Claude Harmon, you know, of the Harmon uh, Royal uh, instructor lineage. If he'd also got rid of his brother and hired Stevie Williams to be on his bag on the on the advent of of the Pebble Beach, you know, where Tiger set the all time historical major record. That would have been something balls. That would have been some Cassell big balls right there. Some Sam Cassell big balls. Verno likes that. It's a, that's in his wheelhouse. Like weird head game, spiteful shit. Right. That's yeah. That's I love that. That's I when love, golf I gets really good. That, yeah. No. And then now you've got Jason Day who's going out there. I didn't think twice about Jason Day. I'm not kidding. Like I mean, it was just like, he's there. Uh, you know, he's a guy I never like bet on. <laughs> But I know he's going to be there probably at the end. He's had success. But now that he's got Stevie Williams, and every time you see all these Pebble Beach clips, you see two guys. You see Tiger Woods and Stevie Williams. Like, it was undeniable that I'm going to think of. Like, I, I almost now am thinking about Jason Day more and House tells me he's 35 to 1 just because Stevie Williams is on the bag. Maybe he, maybe he was the brains behind that monster round that uh, Tiger had years ago. All right, fellas, let's jump in right now. The Callaway Epic Flash pick of the week. The Epic Flash driver deploys innovative flash face technology that was created by using artificial intelligence. That's the only kind that any of us uh, understand. Machine learning to promote faster ball speeds. Callaway continues. It's unbelievable to have the most PGA Tour driver wins of any brand, the most worldwide tour wins of any driver brand in 2019. Once again, another victory on a tour. Scott McCarron switched to the Epic Flash driver. After switching, he has three wins on the senior tour. He's leading that tour. He just continues to dominate it. Scott McCarron is not a Callaway staffer. He just wants to play that driver. But he, he he absolutely loves it, and I think everybody, if you go get one for Father's Day, that's my recommendation. Put one of these epic flash drivers in your dad's hands and watch him smile. All right, let's do these picks. I'm most shocked looking at the odds that DJ was the favorite. I, I would have bet anything it was going to be Kepka, and I don't really understand what he has to do at this point to be the favorite going into a big major. I don't get it. Well, there's three guys tied right now at eight to one. It's on the book I'm looking at, and this is up to the minute. It's Kepka, it's DJ, and Rory McIlroy. And we are we just faded the F out of Rory McIlroy. Rory yep. McIlroy just won the only tournament he's going to win in North America, the only Open Championship he's going to win, and that was in Canada because he ain't winning the U.S. Open this week. And then I, I think it's very disrespectful. Tiger is available right this second at, at ten to one, and that's I mean somebody give me a reason not to pick Tiger. When is how much golf has he played the last since the Masters? Basically, how many tournaments has he been in? Uh, he's played uh, since the Masters. He's yeah. played. Uh, he played in the PGA Championship. He played poorly. He didn't make the cut. 
Uh, and then he played in, um, there's one I'm not remembering right now. And then he just recently played Jack Nicholas's Memorial tournament in Ohio. And he had a great performance there. He strung to, he improved his, uh, accuracy over each of the days. He finished his round on Sunday. You know, I'm not sure if you saw it, Bill Simmons on uh, Sunday, he went out and shot 31 on the front nine golf. Mm. Twitter was a buzz. Everybody was getting excited. He came off the golf course. He didn't keep it up. He came off the golf course with a huge smile for Amanda Balionis. Put his arm around her and everything. No, I don't. That's blasphemy. I should come on, yeah. Jesus. <laughs> you might have to edit that one. No, keep it in. But he was happy. Let me just put it this way: it was a happy tiger. It was an excited tiger. He had hit a twelve out of fourteen fairways in regulation. He was fifty. He had fifty-two uh, fairways over the course of the entire, or something like that, forty-seven to fifty-two. A great statistic for accuracy over the course of that Memorial Tournament. And he's been out to Pebble a few times in between the, the, the two weeks. You keep hearing about these Tiger sightings. He's out yeah. there practicing. I mean, I think he's getting it on a little bit, Berno. Well, and I can't talk you out of this because, remember I said in the last fairway rolling, we read this story that he went out or he went out there the week of the Memorial. like, And then he went and played in the Memorial. And then after he plays this great round in the fourth, he comes and does the interview and he's like the entire time he's talking about how, uh, you know, kind of really put everything we were using to action in this last round. And it really worked out for us. And, you know, I'm trying to hit the ball higher off the tees because once you get to Pebble beach and I was out there earlier this week, you know, the greens are tiny. And so you got to really be able to land the ball. And so like, he was just steady talking about how the layout of Pebble beach is and how all of his practice, was being used um, to hone things that he can use to, in order to win Pebble Beach. And this is two weeks out. I mean, he had just played in another damn tournament. He had just played in another tournament, and he said he was using the practice tees for Pebble Beach preparation. Yeah. So I can't talk you out of it. He, he's, he, and he's, he's number one in the entire PGA in greens and regulation this year, despite the fact that he hasn't played all that much. He's still... It's the greens more than anyone in regulation. And so now we're just talking about his putter. Uh, if we think he can hit fairways like he did at the Memorial, that was the problem at the PGA. He didn't hit one damn fairway the whole week. He was sick. He was sick as a dog. Go ahead, Bill Simmons. I just like Tiger in Pebble Beach because we get to see highlights of old, great Tiger Woods moments at Pebble Beach the whole weekend. It just makes me happy. The course makes me happy. It is a top three course. Masters is one for me. I think Pebbles probably two. And uh, I like Sawgrass just because it's 17. 17 is my favorite hole in, in, on any course. But I, it just has the, you throw in Father's Day, uh, this incredible Warriors comeback that we're going to have. Oh, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, is that happening? And just Sunday has, is it, just let me, hold, let, we're taping this right now. It's Monday afternoon. Just let me hold on to this for a brief <laughs> second. How great of a TV day Sunday could be where you have the Masters. It's later. It's going to be a little later. It's going to bleed US right Open, into yeah. games. Yeah. I mean, I'm sorry, U.S. Open. <laughs> it's going to bleed right into game seven of the finals, potentially oh, Warriors, no. Raptors, a colossal choke job. KD coming <laughs> back after all the shit he's taken. I just want to enjoy this for three more hours. <laughs> the other thing is when you're talking about Father's Day, I, we kind of need all of that to play out because it is like the one day where you're allowed to have absolutely zero guilt. 
yeah. about anything you're doing. You're right. Like, I mean, the rest of the time we do it anyway. We watch the tournament, so we end up feeling guilty. Like we probably should be doing something else. Like we probably, probably. And then like, you just let the guilt subside. But like on Father's Day, it's like, what do you want to do today? Like nobody ever asked me that. Right. Well, <laughs> how's can back me up on this? So you never, you don't want to cross the line with it where you keep reminding everybody that it's your day. Cause eventually I know my wife will snap and be like, look, every day is your day. Okay. And do that whole thing. So you don't want to cross the line where you're going to yell that on father's day. I try to straddle it, but I don't want to cross it. <laughs> it's a, that seems like a pr- pretty wise uh, uh, approach. Is there anybody Simmons other than, than, than tiger and Kepka? What do you think about DJ? I mean, those are the three. What's your ranking? Give us your ranking of one, it, two, three. Is this going to be the first major that we haven't bet on John Rahm and Tommy Fleetwood? We finally yes. quit on them? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. This oh, is the well, one. Hold on now. Hey, I found a Fleetwood bet. So look here. I'll give it to you now. I'll, okay, I'm, so I'm, I'm going to bet him to miss the cut, but go ahead. No, no. Bryson DeChambeau has missed three of four cuts, and he hasn't been in the top 20 since Mexico. So I tried to find his matchup. And his matchup is Fleetwood, but we got to lay 145 on Fleetwood. Are we doing it? Fleetwood. How about that? I'm, I'm sorry for everybody on Fairway Rolling. Fleetwood fucked me so hard at the PGA <laughs> Championship. <laughs> me too. In a, in a head-to-head against Day. I bet him in a head-to-head against Jason Day. He was up by four strokes going into Sunday. And that little bitch went out and shot a 78 to go along with the 74 that he shot at the Masters and the 73 that he shot at the Players' Championship. Tommy Fleetwood, anywhere near you know a good finish in a, in a big-time championship, he's got an allergy. It's called uh, success-itis. He, I, and no, I, I can't, no. I, I can't yeah. forgive him. Then I can't guys, forgive him for that. Then you guys, have the, you guys have the same experience. Okay, so I know that he'll I will say this, Verno. House and I have been in many gambling menage a trois with Tommy Fleetwood, and he's the only one who ever finishes. We're we're just left frustrated (laughs) every time, and I'm not doing it anymore. If he gives me his room key, I'm not taking it for this uh, Pebble Beach. Keep it in your pocket, Tommy. Stay away from us, Tommy. I had I had Xander Shawplay 18th or better. I mean that's that's a sickness bet. 18th or better in the PJ. He bogeyed every hole. Down the stretch and finished he did. 19. God. He bogeyed the last I mean, five holes. Standard, the last five holes. And I'm like, no way. There's no way you're going to end up in 19. And so Xander Shaw plays my Tommy Fleetwood right now. Well, and we guys. also have John Rahm. We rotate between the two of them. They both tantalized <laughs> us for two years. John Rahm, this is going to be okay. the tournament. And then he only a seven on a par five. All right. So both of you guys have brought up Kepka, right? So Kepka's odds suck, as we know, right? I found this is so. Didn't you just say that the odds were the same that you just looked at, House? Yeah, for Kepka, DJ, and 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 Rory, that's they're ridiculous. all eight to one. Okay. It's ridiculous. All right, and I've got Rory right here. I've got Kepka plus one fifteen over Rory, or plus one and a half strokes minus one ten. Are you so kidding me? Matchup, he's the underdog. Wow! Against Rory McIlroy? Yes, Kepka McIlroy plus one. How much money? How much money will your book accept? I'm about to wire you. I'm about to get your wire instructions. I don't give a shit about my mortgage this month. I'm about to. I'm telling my wife, honey, how about ten mortgages? I'm about to watch Brooks Kepka 
do a Sam Cassell right on on Roy McElroy's forehead. Are you kidding me? <laughs> well, here's the other thing. Do you feel like uh cuz you could feel it at the PGA a little bit that Brooks like sticking it to Tiger a little? That hmm. he's he's yeah. I think he follows all the narratives. He's one of those guys who claims that he doesn't, but he knows everything that's going on and he's very well aware of the whole Tiger Pebble Beach thing that's going on right now. And he's kind of like, what else do I have to do? How many more majors Ooh. can I win before I'm the number one story at every major? Ooh. Like, what else What else do you need from me? Really? This guy, Tiger, I just kicked his ass at the PGA. Now now, now he's the narrative again? Get the hell out of here. Well, I love this because we know that he, he needs a chip on his shoulder. Yes. Well, and the other thing is there's these stories. There's these stories that are like, um, the only thing that holds Brooks Kepka back is his level of interest. And so, and it's like he's interested in the majors. And so that's why he wins them. And I always wanted to like kind of clown about that. Like, come on, like what? He just doesn't care about winning anything else. And like, the truth is, there's very little evidence to suggest that that's not true. That he cares about winning the majors. And if he goes out to just some whatever tournament, he doesn't particularly like. I read this article the other day. He doesn't even really like golf. It was just kind of. He wants to play baseball, but he wasn't good enough at it, and so he plays golf because he's awesome at it. And so I'm kind of with you on this, Bill. Like I, he scares the hell out of me. He's gonna have to lose one of these before I start thinking he's he's not gonna win it. Well, what about this? Because a couple of different uh, listeners have emailed this to me, and I, and I thought it was an interesting analogy. He's the Kawhi Kepka kind of combo the the similarities are uh -huh. a little more sitting there than I think maybe we realize because Kawhi's wired the same way right there's regular season Kawhi and then the playoffs Kawhi he's one of the few players in the history of the league that actually gets better in the postseason which is a little like what Kepka is like right house I I I think that's a pretty good one I I, I do like it and they're both they're, they're both on, no personality they're just like machine Stay out of my way. Uh, you can barely get me to clack or smile, any of that stuff. But here's the difference. We know that Kepka cares. Like, you know, he's putting the clown nose on, on the guy that, you know, questions him and putting, the, putting it up on Twitter and Instagram. He keeps up with what people are saying. He was mad that ESPN didn't put him in his top athletes list last year. So he obviously gets this chip on his shoulder and has a real awareness of everything that everybody says. If, if Kawhi Leonard doesn't have a television, it would not surprise me. Yeah. It's a good point. He might not even have a cell phone. Like, is there any, any <laughs> evidence that he, he, he's, he's, he's aware of the internet? Wait, hold on. We're going to bring him in right now. That was my quiet attempt at a quiet laugh house. Sorry. <laughs> Pretty good. I think it's good. Thanks. I think it's a good quiet laugh. Yeah, but yeah. maybe this is maybe this is the year of of just no personality guys cleaning out all of our uh you know, we had a boring Super Bowl with Tom Brady, everybody's tired of. Then we have Kepka. I I guess Tiger was the one yeah, aberration. But we're yeah. going to have Kawhi as our NBA Finals MVP. We're going to have the Bruins beating the Blues in the Game 7 in the Cup. Uh -oh. Char, Char's got a mask on. Yeah, I know Chris Vernon's a Blues fan. I'm aware. Uh -oh. I'm just oh, telling right. you, your team choked uh -oh. in Game 6. Sorry, Verno. <laughs> you choked at no, home. It would have been the greatest no, no. moment in St. Louis history. Gag job. No, it's a, it's a better road team. Come on. Everybody knows that. They've already, <laughs> they've already won twice in Boston. It might as well be our arena. <laughs> 
right. Yeah, no, the, the Kawhi Kepka thing, I do like, though. I, I do think it would be funny if this was the week of Kawhi and Kepka. Where they both uh, would, they both walked away as titles. Who is maybe they can, hey, maybe maybe they could sit them next to each other at the ESPYS uh, and they could not laugh at Tracy Morgan <laughs> together. <laughs> <laughs> Verna, who's your who's your dark horse U.S. Open pick? So I found these. I went and looked up the caddies that have like uh, been like around Pebble Beach their whole lives. I love these this idea that like this. Old like these guys that have either been caddies there or really know the course, and so there's two guys. The Golf Digest wrote this article about it, and these guys asked other caddies like who they would have caddy for them. Um, and one of them was this guy named Bill Harkey, who they said he's like been he was a Pebble Beach caddy, and like he knows that place better than anyone. And I think they said he's on Luke List's bag. And Luke List is like plus 10,000. So five bucks wins 500. That's worth it. And then there's a guy named Bob. Hey, there's another caddy named Bobby Brown. Same thing. It's like a, he's like a Pebble Beach soothsayer. And he's heading for Siwoo Kim. I just had to find reasons to find people way down the list. So let's be honest. I'm going to be betting on Tiger, too. I'm going to take Kepko over Rory. I'm going to take... Uh, Tiger top five was plus two forty. Should I do that um, instead? I'm on that. Okay. How about this? Kepka. Uh, okay. So List and Kim are the two like long, long shots. Just for fun, because I read that crap about their caddies. And then I, uh, where was the one? Kepka is plus one twenty to be top ten. That seems really safe and like good odds, right? Plus odds, plus odds on him with a top ten in a major. I Daddy likes that. What yes, about House? What about that. Bruins game seven with Kepka plus one twenty top ten? That seems I like a layup. I don't. I, I mean, was Didn't Luke List have a moment? What was it at the PGA? Where was Luke List like in my life for a couple of days? There was it PGA. He's had a pretty good season. I don't remember. Yeah. He did did for have a little bit of it a was. run. I think it was at the PGA. Yeah. Uh, had a little run. My my dark horse, I got to go with my beloved uh, Frankie Onions, Frankie Molinari, uh, Francesco Molinari, available right now at 35 to 1. That's just that's just value, it feels like to me. This is a second-shot golf course the same way that Augusta National is a second-shot golf course. And Frankie, this is a venue. It's the shortest uh, uh, venue they play all year long. And, you know, he Frankie didn't stand a chance at, at Bethpage where you have to hit the ball 300 yards just to uh, get out of bed. Um, but his accuracy with these tiny greens and, and the premium on hitting fairways, I, I 35 to 1 feels like value to me. I'm, I'm putting a little a little nickel on Frankie. What do you think of this parlay? Phil Mickelson 50 to 1 with the over under 50 and a half times that I mentioned to somebody I'm watching the U.S. Open with what the fuck is going on with his hair. Because take the over right now on that. So all I need to do is win the 50 to 1. What is going on with his hair? Is he, is he, I think he's going bald in the back. So he feels like if, if he just has more hair and it's more moppy, it's going to throw people off the scent. But then on top of it, he's dying at this Dr. Pepper color. Like, what is he doing? Just go shave it. Go tight. I think that that we are in we are firmly in the middle and it really started honestly it's come full full circle 
It started uh, in the third round of the U.S. Open last year when he hit a moving ball <laughs> as it was rolling off the green. We are so squarely in the middle of the no fucks fill phase. Yeah, he just he just does not give a fuck. Uh, and, and you know, every week he's putting out something new on social media. He's killing other players in it. He's talking about hitting bombs. He's talking about playing Pebble Beach with two drivers. He's out of his mind, and he just doesn't give a shit. He should be talking about a better hair colorist. I have a, <laughs> I have for a, for a deep, 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 deep underdog. I'm just throwing this out there. Both of you guys are going to laugh. Patrick Reed's 80 to 1. So basically, if he's 80 to 1, the, the, everybody is just telling me, him winning the Masters was a complete aberration, and he's going to just be a jack off the rest of his career. Or he's hurt, and I didn't know that. But how is somebody who won a major within the last year eighty to one? This is a great point. I'm looking right now. I immediately clicked on. I was giving this out. I'm going to give it out on Cousin Sal's against all odds. So you know, uh, spoiler alert: Patrick Reed has a terrific track record at Pebble Beach. And he has uh, uh, he, he he has a very good track record at, at difficult under difficult conditions, which this U.S. Open setup um, will certainly feature. And he was uh, in the lead or tied for the lead for the U.S. Open again. We're, we're our one year anniversary at Shinnecock. Um, now he's he's an all or nothing guy, but he's available right now at plus two sixty as a top twenty pick. I mean, two and a half to one for Patrick Reed. You made the point, Bill Simmons. Did he not just win the Masters barely like 16 months ago? Yeah. I like Patrick Reed. And Verno, like one of those guys who, A, not afraid, B, won the Masters when everybody at the Masters was rooting for him not to win the Masters. I mean, that was like a hostile environment, much like the Blues trying to win game seven on the cup on the road. That's what it felt like for Patrick Reed and he pulled through. I I don't know. 80 to 1 seems disrespectful and like there's something wrong with his wrist or something. I don't get it. All right, here. I'll just clue you in. Uh so the reason is because you know how like if you go to Vegas and if you wanted to bet on the Yankees or you wanted to bet on the Cowboys, or you wanted to bet on Notre Dame, you just don't get good odds. Same with Tiger Woods. You just don't get good odds. Right. Because everybody wants to bet on those guys. Because everybody wants those guys to win, and they want to root for it and make some money in the meantime. Nobody likes Patrick Reed. Nobody wants to bet on him, so his odds never move. So because, you think... And nobody even... You, so yeah, you nobody, think they set the odds even, high to just to entice bets yeah. on Patrick Reed because there are no Patrick Reed bets? Yes, and then... Nobody wants to take that bet because it's like, well, shit, even if I win money, it means Patrick Reed won. That sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody likes Patrick Reed. <laughs> right. Uh, hooray. I just won $8,000, but God damn it, yeah. <laughs> Patrick Reed won the U.S. <laughs> Open. Look, 80 to 1 is no joke. I would bet on just about anybody if it was going to deliver me 80 to 1. I mean, you bet 100 bucks, that's $8,000. Yeah, that's a good one. That's, that's I, I'm, one. House, well, I might, hey, I might be right. stepping in. All right. Well, I'm going to tell you this. I, I need to, I almost need to worry. Like, I don't know if we did percentages, who would be the absolute worst of us, but I'm pretty high in terms of being bad. I'm thinking about going and just absolutely slamming the Bruins tomorrow or for Wednesday night. So that oh. you have literally no chance at winning the Stanley cup. If the I emotional hedge, it is Oh, it is a bona fide loser. Trust me. Well, you would the, be dead. I'll tell Expect you. Um, me not to bet the Bruins. 
Sal and I had the all-time emotional hedge moment ever when we had the AFC East Patriots 2016 with Hillary Clinton. And, and uh, uh, Trump was, I was like, Trump was I was like, on that as well, by yeah, the way. Yeah, House was on that as well. I'm sorry, House. I've, I've blocked most of it out of my mind. And Trump was basically four to one the 24 hours leading up to it. And we do have a text chain from way back when about whether we should hedge to be safe, cover our bet, and just none of us wanted to do it. The move should have been, we should have gone all in on uh, on Mr. Orange and really made it happen. Too bad. Is Lesson it learned. true that that is the last time you ever spoke to Nate Silver? <laughs> it's not untrue. I just don't feel like I've run into him. <laughs> it just, it seemed inconceivable. It's like the whole, we talk about hedging constantly. We do it wrong all the time. I'm about to do it tonight with, I have the the Raptors 17 to one to win in five and I'm not going to hedge it. And the Warriors are going to win. It's like the whole point of making a great bet is you want it to pay off, but the smart move is to hedge and we never hedge. We never know how to do it ever. I hope Patrick Green wins this weekend and none of us took it. I I might take it. I actually think it'd be funny. It'd be like rooting for Russia in the 1980s or something. It'd be, it'd be like rooting for hey, Canada in the NBA Finals. Yeah. Well, no, for, I've got I've got one for you. You can just play. Uh, I know you're into soccer too because of, because of the daughter. So uh, I saw. I looked up tomorrow's uh, Team USA game. It's Thailand plus five. Just go ahead and bet on Thailand. Tomorrow. Oh, take the tie. Yeah, they, they like can get that. frisky. They can put one in. House, the maddest house has bet at me on gambling in this century was when I did Argentina 10 to 1 without him. I was very <laughs> For the 04 Olympics. And I won because yeah. I was just like, we're not winning the gold with Marbury and Iverson. And I was just like, screw it, screw patriotism. Did Argentina 10 to 1. It came through. And then House was mad the whole summer that I didn't uh, even tell hey, him this, about it. This is, hey, this is this is a true story. The way I knew about the US, United States women's soccer is I went and I looked up the line and it said minus five. And I was like, what the hell? <laughs> I was like, in soccer? And I went and I was like trying to do some research. And it said that they played in a friendly against each other. And the United States beat them nine to nothing. Ooh. And I was like, oh, God. Ferno, Maybe minus five is not enough. Verno, can you tease goals in soccer? Could you like tease them down to three and a half and take the goal and a half, put it somewhere else? What are the rules? I don't even know. Do you think, do you think I'm actually calling you from Gamblers Anonymous? I don't, I don't know if you can tease down women's soccer goals. Harry would know that. If Harry, if Harry, Harry is really our, our go-to yeah, guy Harry, for that Harry question. will know that. You're right about that. <laughs> All right, so we're good. Uh, I'm gonna go. Right. This was fun, fellas. All right, thanks for coming on. It's 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 a uh, it's a genuinely uh, special occasion here. U.S. Open Week 2019, Father's Day right around the corner. Well, we, it's, it's really the year of Joe House. You've had 17 birthday dinners. You you're still I celebrating have, your birthday. It happened a month ago, and all these majors all in a row. And then you're gonna go away for a month. And it's this is the best year you've had. You played golf with Kornheiser. It's You've true. dreamed about playing with Kornheiser for years. Now it finally happened. It's all, it's all you, downhill. It's, it's all, all downhill. This is from it. Here. That's it's your exactly peak. right. This 80 is to year. 1 Patrick Reed, and then it's all downhill. That From That's the moment it. he cashes in. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, P.S. All right. Thanks, guys. All right. All right, Al. So what are we doing? What are we? What, 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 what have we come to through all of this, uh, through all of this nonsense? 
Oh, for well, we sure went, doing Kepka over McElroy, right? Yes, that's a lock. That is a house Verno okay. lock. We are combining on that one. It's going to be some okay. number that that is shocking to the conscience. How much we 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 go on that? At least I I am. I'm not. I'm not even joking. I I can't fathom <laughs> that he's getting odds against Rory McIlroy. It's one of the single greatest betting moments of my entire life, and I can't wait uh, to, to to play on that one. Uh, I, I, you know me, I'm playing Tiger to win. I'm playing Tiger to top five. I'm playing Tiger to top 10 because the heart wants what the heart wants, Verno. So I've got Tiger exposure. We've got Kepka over Rory. What else are you doing? All right. Uh, Kepka top 10 plus 120. I'm going to join you on that. Okay. And then I guess, uh, you know, I told you the list and Kim, those are real like, Super minors, and then uh, okay, I've got I've got Tiger at two forty top ten. I'm sorry, two forty top five and one thirty eight top ten. Is that what you have? I haven't looked it up yet, but those I don't care. Anything okay. plus, if it says plus okay. in front of it, I'm playing it. Okay, so yeah, I've got I've got plus one thirty eight top ten is what it looks like. So yeah, and then uh, I guess we'll have to throw a little bit on Jason Day just because he's got Stevie Williams. Yeah, oh, that's, Patrick I mean, Reed. Now, at this point, now I've got to take a little on Patrick Reed because I a, swear to God, if if the guy wins the thing, and <laughs> Bill came on here talking about eighty to one, I'll at least put ten bucks, fifteen bucks on it. You know? Yeah, I, I'm gonna play Patrick Reed to finish in the top twenty. I, that's the, in fact, I'm not even kidding. That's one of my uh, cousin Sal picks on against all odds. I'm gonna give that out on against all odds. Uh, to to uh, when I go on there Wednesday, so uh, I okay. I'm gonna have a little read exposure too because we can't be caught with our with our Bill Simmons pants down. You know what I'm saying, Verno? <laughs> you know he's gonna. You know we're gonna look up and he's gonna be like plus nine through thirteen holes and miss the cut. Yeah, that's fine. Just say goodbye to the money. Who cares? That'll be fine. We 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 accept <laughs> that. Maybe if the karma works out that way, Verno, we will hey. reconvene. Go ahead. Yeah, no, that is the fun thing, right? Because then you like can really like just mf Patrick Reed, right? Because he lost you money, right? There's that is the other side of betting people you hate. It's like, okay, I hated this guy anyway. Like, I don't even care that I lost a, I don't even care that I lost a bet because now I get to curse this guy. I never mind a good hate bet. I like it a lot. I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm joining with you. We'll get a chance to to. So we gave him out that that's the picks. Uh, we will reconvene Sunday night. It's going to be late on the East Coast when this tournament wraps up, but I'm counting on it being Sunday night. Hopefully, no weather delays and and nothing that pushes us into a Monday uh, finish. We'll we'll have the recap of this. Uh, U.S. Open, the 119th edition at Pebble Beach. You and I will be reconvened, Verno, Sunday night. I can't wait. I can't wait either. Thanks, Alf. All right. Thanks, buddy. All right, my par-saving pals. There we go. What a titanic episode to begin this U.S. Open week. Hope there are a couple nuggets in there that you can use as you plan out the balance of your fantasy, your allocation of capital, your DFS lineups. We are going to keep that momentum rolling along here on Fairway Roll. And come Wednesday, Justin Ray is joining us. He's from the 15th Club. You know him and love him from his appearances on this podcast in advance of the Masters and the PGA Championship. We also have Paul Cohurst, a former caddy at Pebble Beach. He's going to give us some tactical thinking about the correct way to tackle the Pebble Beach gambling dilemma and of course the beloved 
Harry Gagnon from Against All Odds. He's on. We're going to talk about allocating capital, his picks for the week. Harry's always got a couple doozies for us. That's Wednesday. It'll be up Wednesday lunchtime. And then Sunday evening, right after this U.S. Open concludes, we're getting right back on the wire. Me and Vernon and maybe a special guest or two to break down what we just saw. I bet it's going to be something delightful. Until then, my par-saving pals, let's hit a couple down the middle. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.